about to get ready for the Word of God. Come on. You guys are too excited. Come on, it's Sunday. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm glad we, go to, we have a happy church. Are you grateful for a happy church? Amen. All right. Because there's a lot out there not to be happy about. Amen. But at least, and I don't know how your week has been, but we have an encouraging word, a challenging word this morning. <clears throat> Actually, it's found in the book of Mark chapter 5. We were on this chapter just this week in our Bible study. As we learned about this woman that had an issue of blood. But now we're going to go back to the story and we're going to talk about a man named Jairus whose daughter was ill. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, the Word of God says, When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, so she will be healed and live. And Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. <clears throat> She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone off from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and she fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." And while Jesus was still speaking, some men came up to the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and your daughter, notice what they said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Verse 36 says something interesting. Ignoring, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but sleeping. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him. He went where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Tatrakom, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood, walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. 
And Father, I don't know what type of week your people here have right now, Lord. But they've come to church to worship. They've come to church to hear your word. And I pray that this word be a blessing to us and that you would touch my lips now, Lord, and speak for all of us here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word. You guys excited for this one? This is going to be a great word this morning. Because, thank you, one person. Amen. I received that. As we get into this word today, I was really reading this story because I was studying it for Wednesday. And a whole other message came to me. And I wanted to preach this passage because this man was going through a crisis. Now, Jairus was a powerful man. Jairus was a synagogue ruler. A synagogue ruler was a man that was in charge of the synagogue. In other words, he was in charge of making sure the service was ready for the Sabbath. He was in charge of making sure the building was in order. He was in charge of making sure that all the preparations were in place. He was the one that knew the word of God, the law of God. Everyone respected the synagogue ruler. Synagogue rulers were highly respected, highly influential, powerful, and oftentimes they were very wealthy. And here we see Jairus, a synagogue ruler, and the Bible says that his daughter was sick and dying. Now, I want you to understand something here. Jairus did not know Jesus. Jairus, most likely being a synagogue ruler, was mostly around the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law who hated Jesus. So most likely, Jairus was not only a non-believer of Jesus, but he most likely resented him, refused to follow him. But in the moment of crisis when his influence did not work, in a moment of crisis where his power did not work, in a moment of crisis where his money did not work, he ran to Jesus. Now, my point is this, that sometimes God allows crisis like the one he's going through to grab your attention. Sometimes God allows you to go through such a chaotic experience because sometimes God will put you to a point where he's all you have. But I'm thankful that even though you're at a moment where God might be all you have, I promise you God is all you need. And something great could happen in the midst of chaos. And what I see about this passage is that Jairus in verse 23, I love how the King James puts it, he begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Say that with me, at the point of death. One more time, at the point of death. You see, he tells Jesus, he runs to Jesus, and he says, my little girl is at the point, the point of death. And you can sense the fear, you can sense the stress, you can sense the desperation, because he tells Jesus, what grabbed my attention is what he said. He said, my little girl is at the point of dying. What does it mean to be at the point? You see, to be at the point means 
that at any given moment, something can happen. Something can change. Now, you could be at the point in the positive sense, but you could also be at the point like Jairus in the negative sense. And to be at the point in the negative sense means that at any moment, the worst thing could happen. At any moment, everything could be over. At any moment, everything in my life can fall apart. You see, in some of us, especially now in the time we're living in, there's a lot of people at a negative point in their life. Would you agree with me today? There's a lot of people, even in the church, at a negative point like Jairus. You're stressed out. You're discouraged. You're even frightful because you're at a point in your life where if something doesn't change, if something doesn't happen, it's over. And life has a way of getting you to that point. Maybe you're at the point of losing your job. Or maybe you're at the point of losing your home. Or maybe you're at a marriage that you're at the point of divorce. Some of you might be at the point of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Some of you might be at a point of relapsing and going back to your old habits. Some people are at the point of quitting. Giving up. Jairus was at the point of losing his child. And he tells Jesus, I'm at the point here. My daughter's at the point of dying that if something doesn't happen, she's dead, it's over. If something doesn't happen, this is my worst nightmare as a parent. If something doesn't happen, my whole life is going to fall apart. But see, we just read that Jesus healed her and that he was actually astonished. So here's the first thing I want you to learn today. That sometimes you might think you're at the point in the negative sense. But see, when God is working, you actually might be at the point of a miracle, but you don't see it. You might be at the point of a breakthrough, but you don't see it. You might be at the point of seeing God do the impossible, but you don't see it. You might be at the point of being astonished at what God is going to finish doing, but at the moment you don't see it. So you might be thinking you're at the point where everything's over, but God said, no, if you understand who I am, you might be at the point of seeing me do something amazing in your life. That's why. Yeah, give God praise for that. Because you might be telling God, it's over, that's it, I'm at the point, I've had it up to here. And God said, yeah, I'm at the point too. The difference is, my point is not like yours. And maybe I'm at the point of opening doors you never imagined. Maybe I'm at the point of answering that prayer you've given up on. Maybe I'm at the point of saving the family you've been praying for. But see, sometimes our point is not God's point. Our point of view is not God's point of view. And even though he thought he was at the point of the worst thing happening, Jesus was at the point of doing something that would astonish him. 
That's why you can't judge your life. You can't judge a situation. You can't even judge God based on the point you're in in your life. That's good teaching. You better write that down. Tweet it. Something. I need royalties for that. You can't judge life. You can't judge your situation. You can't judge God, your future, your destiny based on the point you're in right now in your life. Because at any point in your life, God can change everything. At any point in your life, God is still in control. At any point, this church still belongs to God. You might be at the point where you're scared. You might be at the point where you're like saying, God, if you don't do anything now, it's over. You might be at the point of your breakdown. But what if God has something else in mind? You know, as I read the Bible, God does something which I don't understand why He does it. But God will allow you to go to the point of no return before He moves. Let me explain to you. For example, I thought about Peter. Peter, while he was sinking in the storm, was at the point of drowning, was he not? And just when he was about to just, he was going under, Jesus reached out, took hold of him, brought him back up. The storm stopped, and the Bible says, and Peter was astonished. At one point, he was drowning. But at God's point, he did a miracle. I thought about a widow in the Bible who obviously lost her husband, lost her provider. The Bible says the creditor was banging at her door and they were threatening to take her children to be taken away as slaves. So this woman was at the brink, the point of losing her home, losing her children, losing everything, being outthrown in the street with nothing. And at just the right moment, with the point of no return, God did a miracle that an endless amount of oil just poured through. She was able to not only start a business during a recession, which you never do, but she not only paid her bills, made her rent, saved her children, she had more left over. So I'm thinking to her, wait a minute. At once, you were at the point of losing everything financially, and now you're at a surplus. Yeah, church, that's God. You can't judge a point. You can't judge God by the point of your life. Moses was leading his congregation, his people, God's people, into the promised land when they reached a dead end called the Red Sea. It was a point of no return. They could not go back. Pharaoh was gaining on them. They were going to lose their lives. And at just the last moment, God said, raise your staff. And at that moment, the sea divided and God made a way. And actually, when that sea closed down, it actually destroyed the enemies. It destroyed Pharaoh. Their past was over. There was a purpose for the point God had led them to. 
Because sometimes you're thinking, God, what's the point of me going through this? What's the point of you telling me this when you're allowing this in my life? This doesn't make sense. What's the point? And God says, I always have a point. And God opened up the sea, led them through it. Because we serve a God that says, my point of view is not yours. And some of you might feel like you're reaching the end. And just when you think there's no solution, don't be surprised when an opportunity comes. Don't be surprised when something, a door opens for you. Don't be surprised when you get a phone call. Don't be surprised when you get hired or an offer or anything because God says, I make a way. You see, he's telling Jesus, my daughter is at the point. And Jesus is like, what's the point? I don't get it. What are you worried about? And? And some of you, you're at the point of something. What if you're standing at the point of a miracle? That's why with every bad news you get and everything you go through, don't let that point in your life lead you to a state of depression, desperation, fear, worry, stress, anxiety, anger. That is useless. Trust that God has something up His sleeve. You can't judge God based on the point you're in in your life. And this man tells Jesus, my daughter's at the point of dying. And he tells, would you come with me to my home? Lay your hands on her and heal her. And Jesus, he goes. What I love about Jesus, it's not in my notes, but this is for someone here today. Jairus was not a believer. Most likely opposed Christ, talked bad about Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, oh, and now you need me. Oh, now I heard what you said about me. Oh, you weren't in church last weekend, but now you're willing. Oh, what about now? Oh, now you're just, you know, you know what? No. Jesus said, okay. Because it doesn't matter what point you're in spiritually with God. If you come to him like Jairus did, he will do a miracle in your life. Jesus knows everything you've done in your past. Jesus knows, I hear that the dumbest, not people, I don't want to say dumb people, there are dumb people, but the dumbest excuses I hear from people is I can't go to God because, and they fill in the blank, because of my past, because of this, because of that, but you will never hit a point in your life where God says, I can't forgive you. You'll never hit a point in your life that God says, I can't bless you. You'll never hit a point in your life where God says, I can't use you until you die without Jesus. But Jairus goes to Jesus. He says, Lord, would you go to my home? 
and heal my child. See, what I noticed about this passage is that we look at this Bible verse and we say, well, Jairus healed his daughter. Jairus fixed and his daughter was healed and his problems were fixed and God came through and Jesus did a miracle. But I want to ask you this question, church. Really think here. Where did this miracle take place? It did not take place in the synagogue. It did not take place at a temple. It did not take place during a service. It did not take place in any of that. It took place at Jairus' home. And you know what the Lord put in my heart? You see, God wants to do more in your life than just a Sunday morning service. God wants to do more. You see, don't limit God to just a Sunday at a little church building in Hialeah 12. Don't limit God to just a few songs and a little sermon and in the end, the Sunday service. Don't limit God that way. What if God, like Jairus, He wants to do more than what He does here on Sunday. He wants to do more in your home, in your family, in your children, in your marriage, outside of the church. See, Jairus saw the miracles of God outside of the walls of the the synagogue and he saw it at home because God says I am more than just a building I am more than just a religious practice I'm more than just a religious ritual. I am more than just a weekend service. I am more than just a Sabbath day. I am more than just a holiday festival. I am more than that and I seek to do more in your life. But see, Jairus stepped outside of the synagogue and searched for Jesus. And my prayer is that you step outside of forward and out there you're seeking Jesus more. See, Jesus did amazing miracle. And he moved in the life of Jairus, his daughter, his family, and his home. And I know my church. You get excited now. You say, you know what, Pastor, you're right. And handsome. And right. You're not just a pretty face. I think I want to see God do more in my life. I want to see God do more in my children. Jairus saw Jesus touch his, his child and raise her. Don't you want to see the Lord touch your children? Maybe you think, Pastor, I want that. Because I'm guilty of just limiting God to just Sunday morning that forward if I have time. I want to see God do more. And before you get excited and say, well, I'm going to do like Jairus did. I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm just going to ask Him to just move in my life and move in my family and move in my children and do miracles. Yes, Pastor, thank you. I got it. Stop. Because Jairus did more then just go to Jesus and ask, can you go to my house and raise my child? Because if it were that simple, we can just go to God at any time in our lives and say, hey God, uh, it's me again, hi. Um, would you go to my house and fix my spouse? 
Lord, would you come to my home and just bless my children and change their behavior and cast the demon out of them? And Lord, would you just do some miracle? Lord, would, would you just come over and, and bless my health? God, would you just come over and, and, and bless my finances? You see, it looks like God just, Jesus just said, well, yeah, sure, I'll go over. Let's go. Let's change everything. But can I preach to you this morning? We lie to ourselves and say, well, maybe if I just ask God, because the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. But you have to see the three things Jairus did to see the miracle and the breakthrough in his life and his home. So can I teach you these three little things? Because you're not going to like them. You're not. But remember, I'm just the messenger. If you get mad after this service, get mad at God, I dare you. But see, before we get excited and say, oh, I want a movement of God in my house, I want a movement of God in my life, my family, I want to see God do miracles, I want to see God do the impossible, realize the three things. And the three things Jairus did are three tests God will put you through. And I want to ask you before you take this test with me, do you want to see God move more in your life? Do you want to see God move more than just a Sunday morning for an hour and a half? Do you want to see God move in your children, in your life, in your children? All right. Do you love me? All right, good. I just want to make sure. Let's do this test. Verse 22 through 24. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. Jairus came to Jesus. And before he even asked, would, would you go to my home? Would you move and do a miracle? Would you change my circumstances? We forget the little detail in verse 22. Barry, can you put it back up there in verse 22? Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. And in Scripture, the falling on your feet was a total symbolic sign of complete surrender to the Lord. And this is Jairus, the, the man in the synagogue, the man around godly things, the man about the rituals and the religion. See, but see, if you want to see God do more in your life, you have to understand God is more than just a religion. God is a God that if you truly fall and surrender to, He will do the mightiest miracles in your life. He fell at his feet. He surrendered his life and he surrendered his situation to Jesus. When Jairus fell at Jesus' feet, Jesus said nothing. Jesus asked no questions. Jesus just received them. And I know this because the Bible says that 
Jesus went with him to the house. And that word with is a Greek word that literally means to be near and close to. It's an idea of a relationship. So can you imagine that this man that never wanted anything to do with Jesus had a terrible past, most likely hated other people, was very hypocritical. He surrendered his life to Jesus. Jesus, without question, received him into a relationship. That is what Jesus is all about. Complete surrender. The problem is that you might think that God could change your life and bless your life and do a mighty miracle and movement, but many people will never see a move of God in their life because they refuse to live surrender to Him. Notice that the Bible says in Matthew 19, 26, the Bible says Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We love this verse. We put verses like this on signs and doors and, and Hobby Lobby. I love it, right? But notice what the Bible says. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, we say, oh yes, amen, I received that. With God all things are possible. But we forget that little phrase, with God. Many of you want to see God move, but you're not doing life with God. You're doing life with money. You're doing life with pleasure. You're doing life with friends. You're doing life with the world. You're doing life with yourself. You're doing life with your own control, your own wisdom, your own strength, your own power. And if you examine your life, you have to truly surrender and admit to yourself, I have not been doing God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and church and all of that is great. But I have not been doing my life with Jesus. I'm calling the shots. I'm in control of myself. I do what I want. And God says, hey, that's fine. But let's see how far that takes you. Because when his life was in crisis... And when his child was in trouble, his money didn't help him. His power, his influence did nothing. What did something in the life of Jairus was a surrendered life. My question to you, church, even as believers of Jesus, are you living surrendered? Have you truly surrendered that problem to God? Have you truly surrendered yourself to the Lord? Because Jairus realized what many of us have to realize. That not even religion saved him. Not even religion saved his daughter. If you would talk to Jairus today, he would have quoted you the entire Torah in Hebrew. He would have told you all the stories in the Old Testament. He was able to teach 
He was able to lead a congregation in a synagogue. He knew all the religious laws. He knew everything, but he did not know Christ. And that's what it means to live surrendered, that you realize religion can't save you, only Jesus can. So the first test you have to go through is living surrendered. Meaning, Lord, I don't care what it costs me because the moment he fell at Jesus' feet, that was enough to cost him his position in the synagogue. That was enough to cost him all his friends. That was enough to cost him to lose his job, to lose everything, to lose his reputation. But see, when you truly surrender to Jesus, you don't care about any of that. And he surrendered to Jesus in such a way, at any cost, that Jesus said, I'll go with you now. So the first test you have to see in Jairus was a test of surrender. Are you living surrendered to the Lord? Because when you live surrendered, there's a peace in your life. When you live surrendered, there's a hope. When you live surrendered, you know that God is in control. That your life is not yours. This problem is not yours. This situation is not yours. It belongs to God. When you live surrender, the Lord will tell you this battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. When you live surrendered, you have this perfect peace because you know that Jesus is the one leading the way in your life. And many people want God to bless them and change their circumstances and fix their problems and their family, their marriage, their children, their health, their wealth, everything. But they don't want to do it with a surrendered life. That's the first test you have to go through. It gets harder. Amen? It gets harder. The second test Jairus had to go through to see God move in his life, bless his home, and bless his children. He needed to pass the test of comparison. Look at verse 24 with me, and let's get angry together. So Jesus went with him. Let me, let me, let's just put this in your mind. Jairus surrendered his life to Jesus, did he not? Fell at his feet. You're in control. It's no longer about me. I'll do what you want. Lord, I don't care about anything. At any cost, I'm surrendered to you. Awesome. Jesus went with him, right? Went with him. If you're Jairus, what are you thinking? Yay. Oh, God is good. I made it just in time. I made it. Yes, he's going to go to my house. He's excited. Oh, thank you, Lord. I don't deserve this. This is grace. This is mercy. I thank you, Lord. Look at And he must be thinking, look at this. I'm walking with Jesus. You ever felt like that? You surrendered your life to Jesus. Like, look at me. I'm walking with Jesus now. And from here on out, it's going to get easier and better and more blessed. Hallelujah. Oh, man, this is awesome. Look, Jesus is with me. 
He must have been excited. But let's get angry. 27. Verse 27. We talked about her on Wednesday. I don't like her. Look. This woman, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. And everyone looks at this woman. Oh, she's so wonderful, beautiful. No, I said, no, she's... Let me stop. Because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. In football, this is called an interception. Is it not? You know when the ball's coming your way and you're open? And what do you think? I got this. Oh yeah, come to me. What? And someone comes and just gets it from you? It's called an interception. I call it an interruption. He's walking with Jesus and now this girl just shows up out of nowhere, stops him, and says, can you help me too? Can you help me, Jesus? See, it's because as a Christian, you might be surrendered like Jairus. Walking with Jesus like Jairus. But I want to preach to the true Christians, not the fake ones this morning. How many of you know you can walk with Jesus, be surrendered to Jesus, and face interruptions in life? Can I get a witness today? Come on. And it gets worse. Verse 34 and 35. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be free from suffering. And while Jesus was still speaking, some men came up from Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? You see, the test of comparison it's more than me telling you, don't compare yourself to others. You're special. You're beautiful. No, I'm not saying that. The test of comparison is will you, will you trust Jesus when He does for others what He's not doing for you? Will you believe in God still? Will you remain faithful when God is doing for other people what He hasn't done for you? That's what an interruption is. You see, uh, it's hard to see people. That's, can we be real today? You know when someone comes up to you to share their testimony? And it's like the quickest and easiest story. I was in need. I prayed and boom, God did it. And you're like, that's awesome. Why don't you do that for me? You, you know the, the, the moments that you see God doing for other ones. You log into Facebook and everyone else is happy and everyone else is, is great and everyone else is married and everyone else has a job and everyone else is on vacation. Everyone's holding hands and everything, sunset, hard hands, everything. And you're like, wait a minute, what about me? Lord, I'm open, I'm ready, I'm ready to catch it. But it seems like every time I think it's headed my way, I get an interruption and an interception, and everyone else is blessed but me. It happens to the best of us. 
Just last weekend when I was in Trader Joe's and I was in my line, I was hungry, I was ready to pay for my food, go home and make lunch and everything. I had it all planned out. Everything was great. And as I'm in the line getting ready to step forward, this lady, Jerrica, disappears. When Jerrica disappears in the store, I worry. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We ain't got money for that. Where, where is she? And I'm looking for her. And I found her. She brought something back, of course. And when I look, a woman had cut in front of me. And it wasn't, that's not what got me angry. What got me angry was that she looked right into my eyes. And she said, I promise, this is how she did it. She went, this, this your line? What? And then she went, that's how she and I'm thinking, if you're so sorry, why do you keep putting stuff on the counter? Why don't you put it back in the car, get behind the line like everyone else, and shut it? But you know why I stayed quiet? I stayed quiet. Oh, Pastor, because you're mature and you love the Lord. No, because I always fear some of one of you guys is watching me. And at just the right moment, when I finally let the flesh take control, you're like, oh my gosh, I saw Pastor David and Trader Joe's, and he lashed out at a lady. And he threw, he threw cans at her. But it's hard. When you see someone, just say, feel it, then this is what she did. She cut in line. And interrupted. Think about that. And Jesus does for her what he didn't do for Jairus. And here's what's worse. They did the same thing, but they but she got better results. It's, it's like when you're doing the same diet, but she loses more and quicker and faster than you, but you're eating the same salad. That's what happened. Let me prove it to you. Verse 22. Notice. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. Now let me, let me ex- explain something to you here. Jairus, did he not fall at the feet of Jesus? Look at verse 33. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. And be free from your suffering. Now they both did the same thing. You see, the Bible says Jairus fell at his feet. And the Bible says she fell at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, Jairus said to Jesus, would you heal my daughter? But Jesus tells her, daughter, you've been healed. Daughter, now, why does Jesus got to say it like that? Daughter, you've been healed. You know what Jairus heard? The two words he was telling Jesus, heal my daughter, and then he hears Jesus say, daughter, you've been healed. Here's the problem. Jairus is like, wrong daughter. <laughs> wrong daughter. Jesus, you're supposed to heal my daughter, but not this daughter. This daughter cut in line. I came here first. I was on my knees too. 
And Jesus says, daughter, you've been healed. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. Does it ever seem like you look around lately and everyone's at peace and everyone's free from suffering but you? And God is doing for everyone else what He hasn't done for you. And you say, well, I'm doing the same thing they're doing, but it seems like you're blessing them more, changing their lives quicker, and you just forgot about me. That must have been hard. And as Jairus is there, remember, he's, he's passed the test of surrender. Now he's in a test of comparison. And Jesus healed this daughter, but not his daughter. And while she gets healed, everyone's celebrating. Well, she got healed. Well, after 12 years. Well, Jesus did so amazing things in her life. She's gone. Look at her. She's better. She's healed. She's been cleansed. Wow. And John's like, wow, that's awesome. And as he's celebrating, his friend comes behind him and said, uh, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. See, while Jairus is celebrating her victory, he's reminded that his victory hasn't come yet. And here's what's amazing. God will do for others what He hasn't done for you. And your life will be, you'll be walking with Jesus, doing it right, but interruptions come disappointment, failed expectations, heartbreak. You're saying, God, I don't understand. I fell at your feet like she did. I asked for healing. I'm walking with you, Lord. But it seems like you're doing for everyone else what you're not doing for me. And it's at that moment in verse 35 that I believe the devil was speaking here. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother? Why bother? What a demonic question in a moment of testing in your faith. Why bother? You ever hear that voice come to you with failed, with failed expectation? When life interrupts you in ways you never imagined? when God is blessing other people but not you, when you're the one that's alone, you're the one that's crying, you're the one that's sick, you're the one that's suffering, you're the one that's financially broken, you're the one that needs the healing, you're the one that needs the help. But see, it seems like every time you look around, log on and have conversations with people, all you seem to hear and think and see is God doing for other people what He's not doing for you. It is at that very moment of the test of comparison that the devil shows up and say, why bother? The devil's going to tell you, why bother going to church? 
It hasn't helped you. It hasn't changed you. Why bother praying? Why bother believing that God's going to do it? It hasn't happened yet. Why bother? Remember your past. Remember your sin. Remember everything you've done. Why bother praying for that miracle? Why bother? It's never going to happen. Why bother believing that your family's going to get saved? Why bother believing and trying that your marriage is going to get better? Why bother with your children? Why bother trying to get right with the Lord? Why bother reading your Bible? You're not going to understand it. Why bother? To change, you're never going to change. It was in your family, it was in your generations. Why have you even bothered trying to be someone you'll never be? Why bother? Don't bother God with this. That's literally what they said. Why bother Jesus? But you are never a bother to Jesus. So don't let the devil lie to you. And tell you that somehow you are bothering the Lord with your prayers. With your faith. With your requests. The devil will whisper, why bother living? Why bother? What do you do when you hear that voice tell you? Don't bother. Because the test of comparison is real. The test of comparison will get you to think God has forgotten you, God has abandoned you, and He's taken on the responsibility of helping everyone else but you, leading everyone else to their will and destiny, and not you. He's blessing everyone else but not you. So why bother? This happened to me just on Thursday. I had a, a, a Zoom call with 15 pastors. That every month we get together and talk, and all 15 of them I've known for years, and we're on the Zoom call. And all of them are telling me, man, we can't keep people out of our church. Oh, man, I, even in this time of recession, Man, it's crazy how our finances have gone up. Man, it's amazing what's happening. And I'm like this, yeah? That's great. And the devil's like, dear, why bother? Why bother with four? Why bother in Miami? Why bother? What do you do when you hear the voice asking you, Why bother? Just give up. Stop trying. Let me close with this. You guys receiving this this morning? Because somewhere down the line, you've had an interruption or interception, and you're thinking to yourself, why bother believing that God can give you? Why bother? At that moment, Jairus has a choice to make. The choice is test number three. So you remember the first test was the test of surrender. Okay, Lord, I surrender to you. Let's walk together. But as you're walking with Jesus, like Jairus is walking with him, interruptions come into your life. 
interceptions come from? An interruption feels like God has just stopped working in your life. An interruption is where you feel like God has forgotten you. An interception is where you see God working in everyone else's life. And it must have been hard for him to hear Jesus say, your daughter has been healed. At the same time, he heard, your daughter is dead. What a comparison. What do you do when you hear the voices telling you, why bother? stop believing. It's not going to happen. You're going to stay where you're at forever. But Jesus turns to him in verse 36. Let's, let's look at verse 36 today. And it's raining. You're not going anywhere. So that's just too freaking. Amen? See, you have to understand something. These people were not being negative. These people were stating a fact. Your daughter's dead. That's a fact. They weren't trying to bring him down. They weren't trying to kill his faith. They were just stating a fact. So you can't even be mad at these men for stating a fact. And this is where the Lord began to truly speak to my heart. Because the third test Jairus is having to go through now is a test that all of us will go through. It's a test our church is currently going through. And it's the test of faith over facts. They weren't being negative. They were stating a fact. Your daughter was dead. And even though the fact was she was dead, did you notice in this verse what Jesus did? What's that first word? Ignoring what they said. Jesus is teaching us something here. That word ignoring means not to put your attention for it. You see, what the devil does in our lives is he wants you to put your attention on all the facts of your life. And if you would look at your facts right now, it would look pretty desperate. Pretty hopeless. Pretty over. Not so pretty. But the test of faith over facts means are you going to rely on what the facts are? Or are you going to continue to reign in faith? And Jesus turns to Jairus and said, do not be afraid. Why? Because when you have been divinely interrupted and intercepted and the facts are the facts, Fear comes into your mind. It plays a role in your emotions. And Jesus ignores them, turns to Jairus, and says, Do not be afraid, but believe. But Jairus did believe in the beginning. He said to Jesus, Come over my house, come and lay your hands on my daughter, and I know she's going to raise. He had faith, he had belief. He was all enthusiastic and on fire saying, Lord, I know you can do the impossible. And see, sometimes we start believing for something amazing, but then it gets interrupted by something that you did not expect. And now all of a sudden, that same faith you once had has diminished. You were, you were praying for that thing. You were praying for that job and they called you and said, no, we, we can't hire you at the moment. 
You were praying for that house and you thought it was yours, but that something happened. You got a bet, someone offered something else and it just fell through and now your faith is just diminished. You were praying for healing and having faith in healing and then you go to the doctor expecting to have this divine moment where the doctor says, I don't know what happened, but it's gone and you've been healed and you realize the doctor says, ah, it's gotten worse. Jesus turns to him like I believe he's turning to you. And he's saying, would you ignore the facts? And believe that I can do all things? Would you ignore the facts? And trust me like you once did? Oh, I know it's bad. I know you've been interrupted. I know the facts are hard to accept. I know the fact is it's impossible. I know the fact is that it has never been done before. I know the facts of your life, but I still call you into faith. Jesus didn't panic over the facts of her death. Jesus ignored them. And I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but you need to put your attention away from the facts of your life and put your attention on the faith in the God that can do all things in one word. Stop with the facts. Oh, the facts. You see, I, you, you want to live a life of worry, anxiety, and fear. Live by the facts. Sit down for one hour and watch the news, and you're going to hear all the facts come out. And if it's CNN, it's false facts. But you're going to hear facts. Oh, we're in a recession. The fact is jobs are going to go down. The fact is that this economy is going under. The fact is that coronavirus is growing. The fact is that this is the worst our state has ever been. The fact is that wars are happening. The facts and the facts and the facts. And then the, you're going to start school and the facts come in. The facts are your children are not passing school. Your children are going through this. The facts are my kids are going through a lot of trouble. The facts of my health, the facts of my life, the facts of my family, the facts of my finances. Sometimes if you live your life only based on the facts, you will turn yourself miserable. So God says in Jesus, did you ignore them? The facts are, sometimes it's impossible. The facts are, Abraham was 99 years old when God says you're going to have a baby. That's not only impossible, that's gross. Those are the facts. It was the facts. And, and Abraham, he, he tells God the facts. Oh, Lord, we way past that stage, God. And God said, this time next year, you're going to have a baby in your arms. And Abraham believed, chose faith over facts. The fact is, Adam was the only man on earth. You ever told yourself, there's no one in Miami, I'll be single forever? The only person that could ever say there is literally no one for me is Adam. And God says, hey, Adam, just go to sleep. Trust me. Wakes up, there she is. Because facts don't matter to God. 
The fact was Goliath was bigger, stronger, and mightier than David, but facts don't matter to God. The fact is Samson made the biggest mistake and regret and sin of his life that cost him his life. The facts were the facts, but when Samson called out to God for forgiveness and restoration and repentance, God in faith came through and he was strengthened one more time. And everyone keeps saying, oh, well, he died. Yeah, but he died doing the very thing God told him he would do. He would destroy the Philistine. You see, the facts might be that you have sinned beyond a way that you never thought you sinned. The fact might be the devil tells you, don't bother repenting, it's over. But the fact is, when you turn to Jesus in faith for your forgiveness of your sins, he will still accomplish the will he had for your life. Choose faith over facts. Don't let the facts of life kill your faith in God. So here's what the test of faith over facts looks like. How do you know you're passing it? What did Jairus do? He kept walking with Jesus. If you keep walking with the Lord over the facts of your life, you are passing that test. And when they got to that house and the facts were there, she was dead. Jesus said, nah, she's just sleeping. It's temporary. She's going to live again. And everyone laughed. They laughed. You know what I was convicted about this verse? I want to ask God and pray to God for something that is so impossible that it makes everyone laugh. Because I know that in our church, people have laughed at us for almost 13 years. Verse 40. You guys getting this? They laughed at him. What did Jesus do? Put them all out. Not like... <laughs> that would have been cool though, right? Huh? Huh? But there's something divine here. He put them out of the room. You know why? Because Jesus is teaching us that there is no room for negativity. There is no room for sadness. There is no room for doubt. There is no room for laughter here. Get out. And when Jesus put him in out of the room, Jesus stepped into the room. And if you want to see God do amazing miracles in your life, there are certain people you need to put out and bring Jesus back in. And when Jesus in verse 42, remember Jairus is in the room now. He says, Lord, I've walked with you. I've believed you. I've been interrupted. I've been intercepted. And there she is. And she's just dead. And Jesus just said, girl, get up. She got up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around, 12 years old. And in all of this, they were completely amazed. Astonished. 
and amazed. So if you want to see God do a miracle in your life and you've reached a point, remember they were at the point of her dying and now they've reached a point where they're astonished. And I believe that is such a divine shift where you're one moment, you're at the point of a nervous breakdown and then you reach a point of a godly breakthrough. You have to pass these three tests. The test of surrender. The test of comparison where you keep walking when God is doing for others what he's not doing for you. And the test of faith over your facts. And there's some pretty discouraging facts in this church today. But will you choose faith? Let's all stand to our feet. I want to pray over you. I want to really pray over you. Can I pray over you today? As you've come to this church and you're saying, Pastor, I want God to move in my life. I want God to move in my home. I want God to move in my children. And I have a word for someone today. Remember when Jairus came to Jesus and asked, to come to his house and heal his daughter and Jesus was going with him. So we understand that Jesus said, okay, Jairus, let's go to your home. Let's heal her. But there was an interruption and an unexpected death. And it seemed like God was not going to finish what he started. But isn't it amazing in the end, Jesus went to that home. He healed that girl. And Jesus finished what he set off to do. Because someone believes here today, they're finished. But Jesus, it's not even in my notes. This is from divine inspiration right now in my heart. Thus says the Lord, I will finish what I have started in your life. but you have allowed the interruptions to hinder your faith. So surrender it to me one more time. Walk with me like you used to. Make more room for me in your life. Put those people out and watch how I amaze you. Receive that in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, all of us are at the point of something, but we understand that our point of view is not always yours. And even when that little girl was at the point of death, you were at the point of astonishing them. And I believe in my heart, Lord, you are a God of miracles when we live surrendered. And even though there's interruptions and there's interceptions and we see you doing for other people what you're not doing for us, I pray that you give the church and all of us here the strength to keep believing and keep walking with you. Because you are a God that finishes what you start. So Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for that person that feels they are beyond forgiveness. And I pray for that person who has stopped praying for that dream they had. And I pray for that person who thought they will change the world with the calling you've given them in your life, in their life. 
but it seems like you've stopped working. Let us know that there is no interruption in life that would ever stop you from accomplishing your will. If you're here today, church, and you're in need of a miracle, you put your hand up, a real miracle. Pastor, I mean, I'm at the point right now. If you're at the point, let's just say it like that. You're at the point. Come on, you're at the point. You're at the point. It's hard to be at the point. But I am begging you right now. When you're at the point, that's when you need to surrender. And give that to the Lord. So right now, I'll give you guys a few minutes here to give that to the Lord. And just tell the Lord what your point is. Lord, I'm at the point and fill in the blank. And stop living your life to compare. And don't let any interruption or any interception get you to a place where you believe the lie of the enemy. Stop bothering God with this. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray and I ask for any person here today who's going through an interruption. I pray for those here today that started off strong in faith, but somewhere an interruption came that now they hear the enemy telling them, why bother? I pray for those who have a dream, a desire in their hearts, but they hear the voice tell them, don't even bother. For every person who has suffered a heartbreak, for every person who's been disappointed by you, God, give them the courage and the faith and the strength to keep walking, keep believing, keep going. And you always finish what you start. And Father, we just pray that you would give them the opportunity to live surrendered and to pass the test over the faith and facts. Because there are no facts in our lives that can stop you from doing the impossible. So in Jesus' name, we receive this word as divine. We receive this word, not just another sermon, but we receive this word knowing that like Jairus, any interruption or any fact cannot stop you. So church, would you believe again? Would you keep asking God for it? Would you pray again? And remember, you are not a bother to the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. I hope you guys are blessed. You guys can have a seat. I hope you guys are blessed by that message today. Yeah, come on, give God some praise if you were then. Because I hope and I ask that the Lord will continue that as you go out these doors and face any interruptions or any interception, if you go to Trader Joe's and it happens to you, just let it go and know that God has his own plan for your life. They're going to get through it.